Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. Sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it. We curse human beings, who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Another. Reading from James with a great challenge to it. Following the gun massacres in the USA in recent times, there has been a lot of talk and、uh, conversation about the control of offensive weapons. Well, James, in our study passage this morning, wants to remind us that there is an offensive weapon more dangerous. Than any gun, and it's a weapon that is owned and in use by every single member of the human race. The weapon is the tongue. Words, says James, can penetrate just as brutally as any bullet. And indeed, if you want a weapon with which to compare the tongue's destructive power, then. Then a, a flamethrower is probably the most appropriate. The tongue is a fire, James tells us here. In the Second World War, there was a phrase that was used a lot: "Careless talk costs lives." And James would have us would have us know that it's just it's not just in the context of military espionage that that's true. Now, whether it's wartime or not, every time we open our mouths carelessly, we are wielding a deadly weapon. Careless talk costs lives, so watch your tongue. That's James's advice to us. He expresses it eloquently, rhetorically, logically, poetically, but that's the essence of what he's saying. Watch your tongue. To use your tongue irresponsibly is as dangerous as to spray the air with machine gun fire, 
And unlike the machine gun fire, the resulting injuries cannot be repaired by hospital surgery. No, like the American blowpipe, the tongue leaves poison in the wounds, it inflicts, and the poison can go on festering in and embittering the victim for years and years and years. So watch your tongue. And I have to tell you that it's a piece of advice with enormous relevance to our culture, our society, and to what happens in churches. I want to look at this passage in three parts. First of all, verses one and two, and home in on a group of people to whom the advice, watch your tongue, is particularly important, and that is teachers in the church. Then look at two general reasons why the tongue is so dangerous which are applicable to everybody. Verses three to six, the power that the tongue has for evil is out of all proportion to its size. And then in verses seven to 12, experience proves that of all our human attributes, the tongue is the most difficult to control. First of all, what James says in verses one and two. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Clearly, among the early church, the teaching Ministry was not just a gift, it was an office. The teacher was an esteemed member of the congregation, so much so that some of the churches that James was writing to seemed to be in danger of having more teachers than students or pupils. And that's a dangerous position, as not everybody is qualified for the task of teacher. James here starts this passage about the tongue with words of caution about teaching. Verses 1 and 2, which we read out, what does he mean there? Well, I think James here is thinking about that assessment any spiritual teacher will have to face in the future. God's assessment. To occupy the position of teacher is a privilege, And there is no privilege without also the burden of responsibility. Teachers will be judged by God, judged by the demanding standards of God, judged more strictly. Now, what is the basis of that judgment? Well, number one, teachers cannot plead ignorance as some others can. You see, if we say as teachers, such and such is wrong... We expose ourselves to the same judgment that we have told others. It's pointless to say, in other words, we never knew it was wrong if we have told others it was wrong. Secondly, teachers can be a stumbling block. To fall into error ourselves is serious enough. But to lead others into error, that is inexcusable. But the third reason, and the particular reason James gives us here 
about the uh, danger of presuming to be a teacher is the church is the in the church is that the required spiritual qualifications are so very demanding for a teacher you see a teacher spiritual teacher has to use his or her tongue words are the stock in trade of the teacher and those words can do a great deal of good they are also a source of unparalleled evil don't be a teacher unless you have mastered the tool that's what i think James is saying in verse 2. When it comes to the teaching in the church, the control of the tongue is a vital qualification for office. None of us are infallible, we all stumble, but errors that fall from the teacher's <clears throat> lips, they are particularly serious, they are particularly dangerous, for they have the ability to reproduce themselves in others who are listening so no one needs to watch his tongue more carefully than a teacher and that has a great deal of practical advice in church life whether you teach in a junior church a sunday school or a youth group in a house group you preach as i do from the pulpit we who teach will be judged more strictly and those I think, are sobering words. We won't be judged just on the quality of our own lives, but also by the quality of the influence of our words. The quality of the influence our words have had on others. And so we who teach in the church need to take our job seriously. You see, some teachers don't realise the influence they have and we can't afford to be careless. Now, those of you who have studied under my ministry and listened to me know that I use quite a bit of notes in my preaching and teaching. That's because practically I've not got a particularly great memory. I'm not naturally a gifted speaker. But more important than that, I've learned that I need those, those notes because I've learned how easy it is for people to misunderstand what you are saying. I found that it's always the throwaway remark that gets you into trouble. It's always the unprepared remark that people focus on. So I prepare carefully. I use my notes in delivery because I want to reduce that misunderstanding to an absolute minimum. And the teaching office requires a very special quality precisely because it is a word ministry and words are dynamite. So let's move on. Why are we to watch our tongue so carefully? The tongue, though it is small, has potential for evil out of all proportion to its size. Look at verses 3 to 5. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. 
James is telling us, I think here, that it's very easy to overlook the importance of the tongue. We use our tongue all the time. We are therefore perhaps overlook its significance. But actually, small though it is, the tongue has huge power. And the metaphor James uses here are very striking. A horse is controlled by a a bit, a ship controlled by a rudder. In the same way, a tongue, the tongue makes a big difference to all of us. It has a significance out of all proportion to its size. And if you have any doubt about that, just consider the trouble the tongue causes, stirs up. Look at verse 5. It makes, um, verse 5 and 6, I should say. Second World War, consider this, Adolf Hitler inflaming the whole German nation with his rhetoric. And this is the characteristic of verbal evil. It's contagious. It multiplies. And James talks about the tongue being a world of evil. I mean, these are quite dynamic metaphors. A world of evil among the parts of the body. Difficult to understand what he's getting at there, really, in one sense. But I think he's making use of the idea that the tongue is a fountain, a source of evil. Um, And the world, huge dimension of evil, which flows from the tongue. Huge diversity of evil, which flows from the tongue. The tongue is an evil, polluting factor. It has an outpost in in every one of us, the tongue does. It spreads so quickly. It's an orally transmitted evil, like a spark setting off a forest fire. It corrupts the whole person. And the wrong use of the tongue reinforces moral corruption in our character. It consolidates negative emotions. By vocalizing negative thoughts and feelings, we entrench them in our own personality. And the scale of the damage that James sees as flowing from the tongue is vast. Sets the whole course of his life on fire. The the tongue spoils the best that happens to us. Everything that happens is ruined by potentially the wrong use of the tongue. And that does not decrease with age, does it? That damages with us from the cradle to the grave. Set on fire by hell, James says. And again, it seems to me, when you stop, it's a very vivid uh, imagery, metaphor. And Satan, you see, has his own Pentecostal fire, as it were. Whereas the Lord's Pentecostal gift of the Spirit produced tongues of fire, burning with the good news of holiness Satan's Pentecostal fire, as it were, multiplies tongues of malice and evil and unrighteousness. And James then therefore goes on to say, watch our tongue. But it's not easy to do that, is it? And James tells us why. Of all the aspects of our human character or personality, the the sins of the tongue are most difficult to master. That comes out in verses 7 to 12. 
All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who be made in God's image. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. The tongue resists control. It won't yield to our moral control. The poison of deceit, lying, the malice of spreading rumours, gossip, bad language, even things like verbal diarrhoea, as it were, monopolising conversations. Not only does that bore people, but disregards people by constantly interrupting them when they want to speak. The self-obsession, we talk too much. I... uh, I smiled when I read this week a, a little ditty by Dryden the poet. Here lies my wife, here let her lie, she's at rest and so am I. Whatever it is, the tongue can offend. It all hurts, it all causes damage. And if there is some aspect of our lives that is as yet unsanctified, you can sure you can be sure that it will become apparent if nowhere else in a person's speech. That's the verses 9 and 10. In chapter 1 and 2, in fact, um, James. one of the themes in James's letter is inconsistency. Um, we saw it when we looked at people praying but not believing in their own hearts in, in, in chapter 1. In chapter 2, we looked at the Bible study. We, we read the Bible. We don't apply it. In attitudes toward others, we treat the rich differently from the poor, etc., etc. And here is one more example of that inconsistency, in our, this time in our speaking. Saying one thing in one place and another thing, kind of thing altogether elsewhere. And James says that should not be. And in verse 12, an important principle is being stated. Jesus stated it first in his Sermon on the Mount, when he said, by their fruits you shall know them. And Jesus says, and James says, I should say, there is no more important, significant fruit than the fruit of our lips. There is no more sensitive barometer to a person's true spirituality than his tongue. Why? Because no one can tame their tongue. It requires supernatural grace to control the tongue. The best that we can do in our own strength, as it were, I suppose, is to remain silent, say nothing. Minimize the risk, therefore, of saying something wrong. But that's not the answer, is it? No one, no man can tame the tongue, James says. I want to say except one. The one who is an example in all of this is Jesus. 
Fascinating. No deceit was found in his mouth, the text, the scripture says. They wondered at the the graciousness of his words that came from his lips. No man ever spoke like this man did. Always true. Always noble. Always humble. Never malicious. Only the Son of God has ever shown us what true godliness of speech means. And only he, by his spirit, can enable us to master our own tongue. The tongue, you see, is an index of our spiritual maturity, our speech. Our speech will show how yielded we truly are to the spirit of Christ. And remember, Jesus said, it is out of the overflow of our heart that our mouths speak. And that's why by our words we will be acquitted and by our words we will be condemned. You see, words are the index of our hearts. 